Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome to our good news segment. I love adventure. I grew up in the Northeast, and I understand what it's like to just get out, travel around, see the beauty, the splendor. But did you know about one of the best kept secrets that we have that is so accessible to you? And when you go on that adventure, when you step in to that ground, when you see it, you will be blown away. Neil Hodges joining me here today, travel media representative for tourism for where, let me tell you, it is a place and it is amazing. New Brunswick, New Brunswick, Canada. Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me aboard and appreciate the introduction. You know, I think it is one of the best kept secrets, and I think we have to undo that. We have to let the world know just how gorgeous this is. And, you know, part of this is it truly is the adventure. You know, some people say the lands there are so sacred that you can just feel it the minute that you take in the air. Tell us about, you know, tell us about why we need to reintroduce this to people People are starving for an adventure, right? Yes. Yeah. The thing, the things that I like people to know about New Brunswick right off the hopper that, you know, we do have a beautiful and truly unique province. They will see something different when they come here. Um, some important facts for people to know is, uh, you know, we have 3,400 miles of ocean coastline in our province. Uh, tr- many, many great beaches. We have the warmest salt water in Canada. In fact, the warmest north of Virginia. We're 85% forested, so that tells you that we're big on nature. Yes. And outdoor experiences. My kind of land. Yeah. (laughs) The things we're, three things that we're really known for are huge untouched wilderness, lobster and other great seafood, and the Bay of Fundy, which has the highest tides in the world. The... We're, we're also Canada's only officially bilingual province, so people will see and feel the French culture when they come here and see how well the French and English cultures intertwine and get along with each other. Yeah, that was really, for me, that was one of the takeaways first time I, I visited was the beautiful blend of culture, not to mention the food. I mean, we haven't even talked about food yet, but, you, you know, when you combine that culture with where I live now in the Pacific Northwest, and you're looking at some of the most beautiful coastline, the adventure never ends, does it? No, I mean, we have we have 540 hiking trails in New Brunswick. Yeah. Um, some of them, many of them are in multi-day hikes. We have one hiking trail called the Fundy Footpath. It uh, takes uh, four or five days to do. It's all along the Bay of Fundy, along the ocean coastline. 
through the woods. It's treacherous. It's a, it's a rugged wilderness hike. It's meant for experienced hikers and they camp along the, at the beaches and, and that along the way. There's another one called the Nipissiqua trail. That's a, that's another hike that takes about a week to do. And yeah. it's back country wilderness hike. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, you know, we're kind of talking about these as hikes, but they're actually so much more. You know, one of the things that I love is when I work with women, one of the things we pick out is we pick places to go that will be part of our personal growth. You know, but these uh, are so much more than hikes. They are adventure. They touch your soul. You know, this is a place that really does touch your soul. We think we offer transformative experiences here yeah. in New Brunswick in terms of you know, you can, we have something called a, there's a, a cycling route up in the French coast of New Brunswick. It's 379 miles long. It's mostly right along the ocean coast, beautiful yeah. views. You'll have a, the wind breeze coming off the ocean. You'll, you'll go through 14 little French fish, fishing villages along the way. There's bed and breakfast, motels, restaurants. Uh, so you have the amenities. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of friends that actually go there to train for the bike race that, you know, I'm hoping we're going to have it this year. The bike race we have here down the Pacific coast in Seattle and Portland. Yeah. And, and I love the way that people can be both spontaneous because you have all of the amenities for people to be able, well, wait a minute. I want to decide, I want to stay here tonight, or I want to hike here tonight. or want to camp here. I mean, there are just so many different activities, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, we have, I mean, with 80, within a province that's 85% forested, we have an unbelievable amount of yeah. activities to do in nature. We have lots of tours that'll get you up close with nature. There's lots of hiking trails. There, we got lots of uh, ocean coastline, like I said um, before, 3,400 miles of ocean coastline. We have countless activities to do to get, you know, on or Activities that are on or near the water it could be whale yeah. watching tours, yeah. watching tours, fishing, yeah. it could be sea kayaking. We have some unbelievable sea kayaking adventures in New Brunswick. Um, oh, yeah. Tell us you know, about the gorge. We have a place out here called the gorge, you know, and yeah. when you say that here, people get a sense of just spectacle, just beauty. Tell us about that where you are, okay, because so we you have, have one. Too, you have a fantastic gorge. Yeah, we have one. It's in the Fundy Trail Parkway, which is a which is a, uh, a slow drive uh, ocean. You drive along the ocean coastline, yeah. you're up high and you're looking down at the Bay of Fundy and there's lots to do in the Fundy trail parkway. And uh, you know, there's five beaches in the Fundy trail parkway. There's rivers, there's picnic areas. There's a, uh, and one of the, one of the bucket list items in the Fundy trail parkway is the Walton Glen Gorge. And you can park your car. It's about a mile and a half walk an easy walk to get back to the Walton Glen Gorge. And we call it the Grand Canyon of New Brunswick. There's a viewing deck back there and it's a thousand feet across the gorge, 525 feet deep. It's 550 million years old. It was created by a series of volcanic eruptions and it's just beautiful. There's a waterfalls there. That's when you're on the deck on the viewing deck and you're looking straight across the gorge, thousand feet across, there's a straight up and down rock wall. And there's a waterfalls that's dropping 500 feet. Yeah. It's just spectacular. And when you're up there, if you look out to the right, you'll see the Bay of Fundy. And, yeah. And it, 
It's a magical I love, place. Yeah, I love how eclectic this is because when when I when we're talking to people in my audience, I'm talking about adventures in domes and bubbles and other really cool, quirky places to stay amongst beauty. And that's what I love about New Brunswick and what we're talking about. It is such a great combination of pop culture, art, cafes, great places to see, and then very specific adventures that people can have. Uh, what excites you most uh, when you think about this upcoming coming into the spring? And by the way, winter is just gorgeous there. So I don't want to dismiss that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The winter parks are incredible. But what excites you most now about this particular season? Well, I'm excited by the fact that a lot of people, I mean, we're a short drive. We're a nine hour drive from New York city, five and a half hours from Boston. And we can open our arms and welcome a lot of, a lot of yeah. American tourists come in here and, and show off our province and show off what we have to offer. I'd love for people to come and see, experience some of the sea kayaking options that yeah. we have in New Brunswick. You know, we have, we have these towering cliffs and sea caves and people can go, go to place places and do ki guided kayak tours with a professional guide in a small group. They can, they can, uh, go to a secluded beach and have mm -hmm. a meal um, with the, with the chef and the food and everything being repelled over the cliffs onto a hidden little treasure beach. And uh, you know, a five course meal with a storyteller and we have adventures like that. We have uh, you know, a place like St. Andrews. It's a beautiful little seaside resort community. There's great accommodations there, charming and cozy restaurants. Uh, you know, there's, you can do a whale watching there. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of things to do. St. Martin's is a place where you, you could go. That's another charming little quaint seaside community. People can go and stay, stay there at nice accommodations. Um, it's a beautiful little fishing village. Um, it's the only place in the world where you can take a photo. And in that photo, it has two cover bridges and one lighthouse. Oh my God. And that's <laughs> what I love about it. You know, I, I, I know we're coming up on spring and I know how beautiful New Brunswick is, but I must say, you know, the winter part of this. So for people that are listening that are thinking, oh, they're no, we're not just talking about the summer. I mean, honestly, it's one of the coolest places to fat bike. You know, the fat tire, fat bike. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah. It's just like, there's so many places there that, will take people to an adventure away from. I think people really right now need to gift themselves some, something like this, don't they? Yeah. I mean, if you're going off, if you're going on the road to winter, we, I mean, we welcome winter. We do winter well. Yeah. In New Brunswick. We have, oh, you uh, do. I know. We have the best winter conditions of the four Atlantic provinces in terms of snow, snowfall, in terms of the amount and then the temperature to keep it. We don't get snow and then it rains the next day. And, and right. we have we have people from the other three Atlantic provinces coming to New Brunswick to go cross country skiing, snowshoeing, dog sledding, yeah. ice oh. fishing. Snowmobiling is huge. We have we have about six thousand miles of, of uh, snowmobile trails in New Brunswick and they're all connected. And oh. uh, that's more that's more than the other three Atlantic provinces put together. So that's a huge industry in the mm -hmm. winter. We call snow here white gold. Wow. So, uh, now, now, I need to make sure people know how to find out more because, you know, I don't want us to finish this and then not know how to go to your website. What is the best place for people to go, Neil? Yeah, we could go to tourismnewbrunswick.ca and, okay. and then everything is everything else. Everything they need to know and more is there. You have the coolest job, don't you? 
I do. I love it. It's a, <laughs> a passion for travel and I get to travel around with travel media when they come into the province and uh, I, I have a lot of fun. I want to just take a minute to also talk about a couple of things we didn't talk about. You know, m- my sense of, of New Brunswick, too, is it's also rich in the arts. Can you talk to that for a little bit? Because we don't often think about a place like New Brunswick and then also include the arts and film and dance. Can you address that for a minute? Sure. So in Fredericton, our capital city, we have the Lord Beaverbrook, Beaverbrook Art Gallery. And it's been closed for the last two years and it's going to reopen this summer yeah. following a $10 million expansion. And oh. we're going to have a lot more space to show off many exhibits. They have a lot of rare exhibits there, you know, paintings by rare paintings by Salvador Dali. And uh, and they're doing things there also when they reopen, they're going to do some things there that are uh, unique to try to market market the art, the art gallery to a crowd that perhaps wouldn't normally go to an art gallery. For example, they're going to have theme meals. Perhaps they'll have an indigenous theme meal with an indigenous artist there talking about their, their, mm. their, uh, the work that they're doing at the same time while people are having an, an indigenous theme meal. That's just one example. So they're, they're trying some kids workshops yeah. in the summertime and things of that nature. But, you know, Fredericton, they have artists in residence program there in the summertime um, through one of the art colleges. Yeah. They, they really, you know, that we have, a, we have a thing. If you want to talk about performing arts, we have something called the uh, ballet by the ocean. Yes. It's, it's a, uh, there's a company called Ballet Atlantic. And at the beginning of the pandemic, they were trying to figure out a way to continue to be able to do live shows. So they they built a stage near the beach, near the ocean, and it's a magical setting. You know, it's, it's in a protective wetland with over 30 species of birds. And, and you get this beautiful stage near the ocean and you can, and people go there and they, they, they watch the they watch the the, perform, the live performing professional ballet show. Yeah. And they have New Brunswick chefs there serving a five, five course meal, all locally sourced food with a wine pairing while oh, yeah. they're watching the show. And you, you'll have eagles flying overhead and you'll hear the crashing waves in the background. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for people that you want, go to the website tourismnewbrunswick.ca and you'll see it. But what a brilliant idea to be able to put that level of dance and, you know, ballet dance, contemporary dance and bring the arts and nature together. I mean, that is really one of the most innovative ways to allow people to continue. I mean, you know, look, I know these are short interviews. Thank you so much um, for coming on. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? I want people to know that New Brunswick is kind of the, the land of natural phenomenons. If they come here, they will see some, they will see unique things. You know, we have the, just a few of our natural phenomenons. You know, we have a, the second largest tidal whirlpool in the world in New Brunswick. We have a reversing falls in New Brunswick, one of only two in the world where two water currents are going in opposite directions and one overpowers the other and backs it up. We have a hill where you can park, park your car, put it in neutral at the bottom of the hill and it'll pull your car up the hill backwards. It's a, it's an optical illusion that, I won't get into now. We have the yeah. Hope Wall Rocks. I mean, the world's highest tides, the, the Grand Canyon of New Brunswick, which we talked about. There's In the winter, we have frozen waterfalls and ice caves. So I could go on and on. But I want people to know that we have a lot of natural phenomena in our province, and they will get to see and do a lot of things that are 
in or on the water and in nature when they come yeah. here. Unique things. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time. A beautiful, beautiful place. And don't let it be the last thing on your bucket list because it is, as Neil, I think, said, totally transformative. Thank you so much for coming out here today with us, Neil. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with our American friends. Yeah, no kidding. We're just a hop, skip and a jump away. Believe me, I know I've been there. Uh, Thank you all. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Transformation Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome. We have a great segment for you today, informative, educational, and even beyond that. Dr. Danielle Danielle Zer joining me here today, head of pediatric infectious disease right around the corner, Seattle's Children's and University of Washington. Now, look, we are here today. Many of us have a lot of questions. Things changed over the weekend for a lot of us. Masks, no masks, vaccines, no vaccines. How do we even make sense of it all? We have an expert in the house. And for parents, what do you need to know? How do you connect? How do you continue to protect? What are the questions? But more importantly, what are the answers? And we're bringing you one of the world's leading people on the topic, especially for those of us in the greater Seattle area. Dr. Danielle's there. Doctor, look, I have more questions than probably we have time for in this interview today, because uh, myself, I experienced this weekend. It was like magic. It was one day, here we are. The next day, we're just like loosening everything up. Am I making an overstatement there? Does that? Did I exaggerate? No, I, I think you're right. We're seeing, um, you know, we saw big changes happen this weekend yeah. um, as it pertains to masking. So I think that that can be surprising um, to experience mm-hmm. for a lot of people and really get you thinking about what, what are the steps that you want to take to yeah. protect yourself and your family. But, you know, let's talk about the conversation with children. I think this has been confusing for a lot of parents, and you've been on the forefront of this. And and I think we still scratch her head about what is the right thing to do, what we should know. Um, you're passionate about this. Here we are. Let's talk about what some of the, let's just say the most confusing things are when it comes to our children. What would you say is at the top of your list that either one, we're confused about, or two, we just don't understand? Well, I think one thing that has a lot of people um, thinking and questioning are, uh, you know, the vaccines. And I think it's really important for people to understand that vaccines are truly the best way uh, we have to protect ourselves from COVID-19. They they not only protect a person from the most serious effects of COVID-19, like hospitalization and death, but they also slow transmission of the virus, which reduces the likelihood of new variants emerging. And they help relieve the intense pressure that has been placed on our healthcare system periodically over the last couple of years. So I would, I would just really urge people to, to think seriously about uh, vaccinating themselves and their family members if they haven't already. And if they have questions, talk to a trusted healthcare provider uh, to have to get those questions answered rather than, you know, looking at, at social media, which can sometimes have a lot of false information. Um, 
I, you know, right there, you just shared a lot of information, and I'm very grateful you did, um, because we were under the, and, uh, let me just speak from what I've heard from our listeners, if I could, you know, under the impression that children, one, don't have an impact on it, and th- these are not truths, this is not the truth I'm saying, I'm just telling you what people are thinking, because I'm asking, I'm asking you to help me out here, um, but the other thing is, we're, we certainly don't understand what's been going on with children, especially when when it comes to their um, uh, vulnerability to be hospitalized. Give us sort of, you know, some facts that our parents listening to this today can really just put under their belt and clear the table so that we can actually deal with what the risks really are, please. Yeah, uh, children are not immune to COVID-19, and we saw more children uh, during the Omicron wave than any other time during the pandemic uh, need hospitalization. So many, many uh, children were impacted by this. And it's important to understand that uh, the vaccine vaccination helps prevent this from happening. Uh, so again, just incredibly important to take that step. It's the, probably the single most important thing we can do to protect ourselves and each other. Um, I wanted to ask you, there's uh, information about uh, COVID uh, cases decreasing rapidly and that people are looking at that. And I I know that the circle of friends that I hang out to, we're not looking at it like this. As a matter of fact, you know, a number of us are looking at getting an additional booster um, for a lot of reasons. We've done our homework, but there is this association where it says COVID cases are rapidly decreasing and somehow in our consciousness or thinking, it's like, oh, maybe I don't have to get vaccinated, right? Are you hearing that a little bit? Yeah, I think that that's definitely something that people are wondering about out there if they haven't Mm -hmm. been vaccinated yet. And, you know, cases are truly going down rapidly, but Mm -hmm. we still have a lot of uh, transmission, relatively speaking, going on out there. And there are certain parts of the world where... um, Transmission is still happening at incredibly high rates, and those are the scenarios where new variants of concern can emerge. And as we have experienced uh, throughout the pandemic, we um, commonly will import these new variants of concern and Mm -hmm. have them, you know, then transmitted at high rates here um, in the United States. So it's incredibly important for us to keep up our defenses, and uh, vaccination is Uh, the best way to do that. Yeah, let's have a message here for our parents, if we could. You know, we know that getting children vaccinated, this was was a conversation. There was a delay in the authorization. We all know that. Um, uh, And so people interpret that to mean something. Can you talk about the delay and where we are now, especially when we're talking about children under the age of uh, five? So if you could just bring us up to date on, you know, what you are are seeing and what you recommend, please? Sure. Uh, Research is ongoing to find the effective dose of vaccine for that uh, younger age group at this point. And, um, you know, the FDA isn't going to authorize the vaccine until uh, it's met their thresholds for safety and efficacy. And I think that this just really points to the fact that the FDA is upholding high standards that this vaccine at at any point along the way has not been rushed through to um, approval. 
And I, I think that should reassure people that when it is approved, it is going to be a safe and effective vaccine for these young kids. You know, here we are today. I know we can't look and have a crystal ball to look in the future, but what are some of the things that we all should be mindful of and really pay attention to? Um, the thing that I'm most concerned about across the board, but especially for children, are long-term health effects if you do get COVID-19. Um, can, you, can you tell us about that, what you know about that? Yeah, sure. Um, for, with COVID-19, the, the symptoms that accompany infection are incredibly variable. Some people will be asymptomatic, while others um, can develop critical illness and even die. And that's also true for children, although, you know, compared to adults, many more children will, will have less severe disease. That said, it's still possible for children to have severe disease from COVID-19. And that is, the re that is something that everyone needs to keep in mind and understand that uh, vaccination is so much safer than having actual infection. And uh, when looking at this decision to vaccinate, that is just an incredibly important equation to keep in mind, that vaccination is the safest way to gain immunity against COVID-19. You know... As we look at the landscape of things and we have more activity in the public, uh, we have uh, the mask restrictions being um, reduced, if not completely removed in some places. Um, and, you know, the question is, there's a message by easing up some of these things where people are thinking if we must be all good right now. I wonder, you know, what is the truth behind that? Is that true? Well, I think we're seeing uh, good trends right now with mm -hmm. the uh, transmission, you know, decreasing. However, this could change, you know, yeah. with the um, with, with a potential new new variant of concern. So, I think people need to keep their eyes on the rates of transmission and be ready to bounce back to wearing masks again if that's what's mm -hmm. indicated. And I think we just need, as a society, need to be ready to switch quickly. And not delay if we start to see the rates go up again. Yeah, boy, are you you have just said it all, right? I mean, you know, there are some of us and many people uh, have continued to wear masks in grocery stores. Uh, th there's a question that I got last week around this, and I'm going to ask you. Um, one of our listeners, actually several of them, but one of them asked the question, can someone explain to me, the importance of vaccination versus unvaccinated. If somebody that's not vaccinated walks into a space, are they at more risk of uh, transferring the virus? These are great questions because this is coming. We did a show last week, and this was one of the key questions. They wanted someone to explain the importance and the power of vaccination versus then being or not knowing the people you are with that may not have been vaccinated? See the question? I think I do. Um, I, uh, I think what's maybe helpful to keep in mind mm -hmm. uh, is that compared to vaccinated people, unvaccinated people are three times more likely to get COVID, nine times more likely to need hospital care from it, and 41 times more likely to die from it than people 
who are vaccinated and boosted. Mm. I think that's just incredibly important information to keep in mind. Now, while a person who's vaccinated can develop infection, they are at much lower risk of having the severe consequences from it. And with that, they're also less likely to transmit it because the virus stays around in their airways for a shorter period of time than it does in the airways of somebody who is not vaccinated. And thank you for that. That is absolutely, you know, the question and answer that most people are are asking. Um, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot today, doctor, but one of the things that I want to ask you is there are probably some things we haven't talked about. Can you let us know if there's a way for people to find out more? And what haven't we touched upon today that's on your radar? Yeah, I think... Um an important uh, resource for people to know about is the, the CDC's website, the Centers for Disease Control, mm-hmm. and uh, the vaccine.gov website. Those are, um, I think, super important resources for people to understand, and uh, they provide uh, information on where you can find a vaccine closest to you. And as we we wrap this up today, I want to thank you for getting out there. And I know this is an ongoing body of work for you that you're passionate about. And we really appreciate you getting out there and having conversations with people like, like me and our listeners. I want to know, what is your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? I think if we all work together, um, we can really make great strides in um, responding to this pandemic and keeping as many people as pos- possible safe from severe consequences of COVID-19. So get, max- get vaccinated, uh, watch the rates, be ready to put the mask back on if you took it off, and, you know, be kind to others and and keep in mind somebody may be wearing a mask for very good reasons and um, hopefully, you know, schools and um, others will be supportive of that position. Boy, that is, you said it right there. We do need to be kind and respectful of others for the decisions they were to continue to wear masks because there are so many reasons for people to do that. I have a friend with asthma and certainly she will not be taking her mask off in the near future out in public. So thank you for saying that so much. Again, give out that website again for people. Uh, Vaccines.gov. Awesome. Uh, And then the other website is cdc.gov forward slash coronavirus. Awesome. Thank you so much for today. There you go for our update and news segment. We're going to take a short break. Everybody, we'll be right back. Get empowered on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome to our special, special segment. You know, we do these fascinating segments because there are just people that are doing amazing things in the world. I I was just blown away a little bit here by um, this author and this amazing uh, gentleman that I'm going to introduce you to. 
You know, Judson Brandeis, and when I think about Judson, and I think about Dr. Judson Brandeis, and I think about the book that he put out, I ask myself the question, what the heck took so long? The 21st Century Man is a fantastic book. It is filled with just about everything that you would want to know. And the other thing I want to say is this. I was fascinated by, you know, not just his work, but what he does in the world, whether it's contributing to men's health, expert in the field, all of that. What I loved about this book was it's not just a book for men. Yes, it is a book about men, but... The people that I have talked to about the book uh, say that women are equally interested in knowing. (laughs) I hate saying this. I sound like, uh, you know, I sound like anti-feminist. But women are looking at this and saying, I can look at this and have a conversation with my man friend. I can have a conversation and have with my dad. I can have a conversation with dot, 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 figure it out. Because now we get to talk about what the 21st century man really is. Uh, You know, Judson, thank you so much for joining me here today. Dr. Judson, I should say. Um, You are award-winning urologist. You are a clinical researcher. Us researchers, we have to stick together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are somebody that has said, I am out in the field 25 years. I see thousands, thousands of surgeries I've performed. I am in the forefront here with this. And I have just got to write the book that hasn't been written yet. Because that's my view of of what you wrote. What was it that you saw where you said, I am going to write an extensive, exhaustive book for the man that is sitting there not really paying attention to much of this? Yeah, you know, I agree with you, and and thank you for that introduction. You make me sound so good. You, you are pretty dang. Wow, well, you're, pretty, you're, you're pretty dang good. I tell you what, I, I'm listening to you right now. Um, you know, Pat, what I see day after day after day are really, really good men. Yeah. Who come into my office and they're burned out or broken. Mm. And that's what life does to men. Men live five years less long than women. And a hundred years ago, it was one year. Now it's five years. And the longevity of middle-aged men in the United States is actually declining, even before COVID, because of Mm. alcoholism, opioid abuse, and suicide. Yeah. And men are half as likely to utilize physician services as women are. Yeah. So there's really something broken. Yeah, I mean, that is like the top key right there. Like any one of us that think about the men that have been in our lives, right, or the men that are in our lives, it is like it's you're easier pulling the tooth of your dog than it is to get your man, your father, your brother to take a look at something in their own healthy life. I, I mean, my dad, it was like, you know, please... I'll make the appointment. What, why is that in your opinion? Because the 21st century man can't be like that anymore, I don't think. No, I, you know, what I'm really hoping is that there's a shift. Yeah, me you too. Know, men see themselves as like strong or invincible or undefeatable until they're, until they're not. Mm. And, you know, it, it'd be like just running your car into the ground and then hoping to fix it once it's, you know, on the roadside. 
you have to change the oil. You have to take it in for tune-ups and all that kind of stuff. But men just push that away, you know, in general. And so really what this book is all about is early intervention and prevention of all the medical problems that men face. There are 101 chapters in this book from really from head to toe. And also, it's so important, as you know, mental health, emotional health, relationship health. I have therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and divorce attorneys and fatherhood experts all writing chapters for this book that are specific for men. Yeah. Can I... Can I go back to one thing? I'm, I'm going to, I've got, I made a mental note on a couple of things I want to go back to. First of all, this is an award-winning book in so many ways, but, you know, I want to talk about why this is an award-winning book in an esoteric way. You know, when you look at the people that contributed to this book, um, how do I say it? You, you pretty much have not left any stone unturned, but I want to go back to something you said. Um, I have been in the field of addiction and recovery, um, alcohol addiction for almost 30 years, drug recovery for much longer than that. And I work with both men and women. And I don't even know how to describe at the moment the rise in areas of addiction, mental health, and the burden that men are carrying and really don't think there is a way for them to get help. Are you seeing the same thing here? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's not just opioids. It's no, just, no. You know, hardcore drugs. You know, Pat, I, I talk to my patients all the time about alcohol. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, alcohol is the most prevalent drug in our midst. And alcohol does three things, right? It, it's a depressant, right? So the class of drug that it's in, it's a depressant. And it disinhibits you. We all know that, right? Mm-hmm. We make dumb decisions under the influence of alcohol, whether it's driving a car or domestic abuse or committing a crime or eating too much. And then it's empty calories. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's calories with no nutritional benefit. Yeah. And so I just look at my patients and say, listen, you know, do you want to be fat, stupid and in trouble? Mm keep drinking alcohol it's yeah. it's really and it's 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 gotten so much worse during this pandemic. oh yeah 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 uh by the way online sales the last time i checked and i've been following it because you're right on about alcohol and the idea that in, and and this is something important probably for your next book but you know the uh, when men drink, it's expected you really drink, drink, drink. I'm talking about societal expectation. Right. You drink, drink, drink. So it's less acknowledged. When you see men falling down drunk, you're thinking, like, oh, boy, he's like a happy. Not, as opposed to women, if you see a woman do it, you're like rushing her to some kind of help and support. But you're right. touching upon something in the book that's so important. And I want to get back to the inscription you wrote in my book. You are the hero of your own life journey. And I know you wrote that in my book, but I got the sense that that is your overarching message here for men, too. You know, gosh, Pat, you're really a smart person. <laughs> hey, I, I'm a girl yeah, from the Bronx. I have no idea how, I, you know, I read your bio, I have no idea how smart you are. <laughs> <laughs> I shock myself some days, just yeah, saying. <laughs> you know, I have some, some themes that go through the book. 
But I think the most important theme is that of the hero's journey, right? People look at Tiger Woods or they look at, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen or whoever, like as a hero. But, you know, those people have their own problems. Focus on your own problems. Be the hero of your own journey. All of us have our own life story. We have our own families, our own communities, our own workplaces. And if you see yourself as the hero of your own life journey, then the decisions that you'll make for yourself, Mm. you'll understand that those are really impactful. Yeah. And you'll make better decisions for yourself. You know... I want to just make a comment, too, about the book. I know why this book has won so many awards. I want to acknowledge you, and I want to thank you for taking the time in every part of the book, whether it's part one on the journey or part two on prevention, whatever the part is. You have gone out of your way to very personally write the introduction. And that, look, I've been doing this for 20 years. I have about 10,000 books under my belt. And how often would I want somebody like you who's put a book like this together to really pay attention from mind, body, spirit of what you're putting together? And that's what you've done. You may not think that that's a thing, like just those few words in the introduction, but it really is. It's almost a personal note. It's your personal signature. Why was that important to you? Yeah, you know, this. it took me two years to, to write and create this book, but really it took me 25 years. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's really, I, I, I've honestly, I've been blessed with an unbelievable education. I went to Brown University. I went to Vanderbilt for medical school. I did research at Harvard. I, I trained in surgery and neurology at UCLA. And, you know, it, it's great to have those diplomas up on the wall, but when you're blessed with that kind of an education, you really have an obligation to the world. Yeah. To to use your talents to help other people. And, you know, I, I've not just learned a lot of stuff, but I've come across really amazing colleagues in all aspects of medicine. And I really wanted to share not just what I knew, but what all of my colleagues know about their fields of medicine. And then I wanted to kind of wrap it in in some narratives first of all the hero's Hmm. journey so first of all i mean everyone knows don't do drugs don't drink don't smoke don't eat too much exercise every day do some meditation do some stretching and be nice to other people yeah yeah but we don't all do that and so how come and how can we get back to doing the things that we know we need to do and that's a lot of what the book is all about Hmm. you know the other thing that you did so beautifully, I don't think you left out pretty much any organ in the body. <laughs> just, <laughs> just saying. But you also didn't leave out the mind. You know, you also uh, didn't shy away. Uh, and, you know, thank you for the beautiful acknowledgement that you have later on in the book about the contributors as well. You know, very few books do I see this kind of acknowledgement with uh, the contributors' pictures and their in their bios. So thank you for doing that because it builds what I like to call the tentacles of knowledge, where not only do we get to read from your book, but you have really put additional resources in here for people that really want to be well and well-being so i want to thank you for that um i appreciate it yeah it's i want to ask you this question you've you've written the book 
how did writing the book, how did putting this together, if you don't mind, uh, Dr. Judson, how did it change you? You know, the book evolved out of the patients that I see every day mm-hmm. and, the, and the issues and problems that my patients were facing. So I started out really writing a book, a sex, you know, a much smaller sexual medicine book. But so many of the issues and problems that my patients are bringing into me really affect their physical intimacy with their partner. And so each chapter really comes out of an individual patient, whether it's, you know, a patient with sleep apnea that had erectile dysfunction or a a patient with cardiovascular disease that I got a calcium score on Mm. and all of a sudden I I diagnosed their heart disease or a patient with problems with their relationships. And so what what I've come to understand is that physical intimacy in the second half of life, really everything in your life has to be lined up and going well in order for you to have successful physical intimacy in the second half of life. And really, that's what this book is about, is helping men and their partners uh, have a better second half of life. Mm. You know, I know you're running off to these interviews. It's really short. I was just shocked when I got the interview call to have this conversation with you. And I looked and it says, oh, 15 minutes. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I can spend an hour. I can spend an hour talking with you. But let me let me ask you this last question, because I know you're probably going from interview to interview. If you had your top three your top three. This is what I want men to know right now, right now, right here today. Your top three. What would your top three be? Oh, boy. You know, uh, first and foremost, really, is to understand that you are the hero of your own journey. Mm -hmm. And the decisions that you make uh, are impactful for yourself and for those around you. Uh, Really, second is a strong man understands how to take care of himself and third really is problems are much more easily solved in their early stages than in their later stages. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have one last acknowledgement. I adored the pieces of the book where you did not shy away from conversations about sex, about pleasure, and about pleasure for women. I I have to tell you, there's so much in this book that this is one area when I get books written for men, it rarely gets addressed. Thank you so much for everything. Um, Please give out the website. How do we get a copy of the book? But how do we find out about you? Sure. So if you go to the 21stCenturyMan.com, all written out in letters with no numbers. So the 21stCenturyMan.com, you'll find information about the book. Uh, it, the book is available in hardcover, ebook, and very soon audiobook. And mm. then to look me up, just go to brandeismd, B R A N D E I S M D dot com, uh, and you'll find out about me. And then if you're interested in the men's supplement line that I created, just go to affirm science, A F F I R M science dot com. And then I put a, a lot of my interviews and podcasts and and educational stuff because I go around the country teaching other doctors. Uh, I put that on my YouTube channel, which is just Brandeis MD. I love it. And thank you so much for including uh, in the book 
and really bringing the book full circle by talking about leaving a legacy and talking about inspiration and gratitude. Thank you so much because gratitude is the cure for so much, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. I mean, we, we, uh, Isaac Newton said we can see far because we stand on the shoulders of giants, but you have to acknowledge those people that help you see further and do more. Mm. Mm. And I love the quote. I'm going to end it with this. Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it is the parent of all others, Cicero. Thank you, Dr. Brandeis. Thank you so much for today. Oh, thank you, Pat, for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody. 